All right. Uh, the title to this message is Master Every Thought. Master Every Thought. Now, to me, it almost seems like a command, and it is a command, that is impossible. It's just how in the world, with all that goes through my mind, am I ever going to master my thoughts? You know, a lot of us, we can't even get a handle on that stuff. I mean, it's just, it's just incredible. But So let's take a look at the verse that tells us to do this. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5. It says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought. Okay, somebody say, every thought. Every thought. What? How many thoughts? All of them. Yeah. To the obedience of Christ. Now, is this asking? I mean, is the Bible? Is it untrue? Is uh, is God a liar? I mean, what, what's going on here? How? I mean, how do we master every thought? I mean, think about it. there. Are, you know, think about it. there are millions of thoughts daily that goes through our mind. How do we master them all? Now, the simple answer is one thought at a time. One thought at a time. Now, the problem, I'll give you my problem with that one, is that our thoughts multitask, it seems. Like, I'm guilty of multitasking. I will start ten projects at one time because I get bored with the one project. So, you know, and I'll have ten going on, and ten, you know, and it, it's really not good. You know, it's really not good. Someone said multitasking is that you do a lot of things poorly, is the definition of that. <laughs> you do a lot of things poorly. So, you know, one problem takes your focus, and that's the way it should be. But when our thoughts multitask, you don't have time to take them captive. In other words, you, you've got something priority here, a thought, and then all of a sudden, here are 10 other thoughts that are negative also. And you just skip around here, there, you know, there, like a broken record. You just keep going around in circles. And you never really take captive any thought. Because, I mean, I think the devil comes along and, and gives you, okay, you want to worry about that? Well, let me give you something else to worry about. Or let me bring up your past, something that you did way back then. And you can think about that for, for a couple days. Oh, there's all kinds of trickery that he uses. Right, right. So the discipline of taking one thought at a time and dealing with it, to conquer one thought at a time, don't let that thought that needs to be conquered escape. Don't let it get away from it. Don't let the enemy fill your mind with 20 other disassociated, maybe bad things also, but uh, don't let him take that away. Conquer, uh, don't let that, that thought that needs to be conquered escape. So what does the Bible say about our thoughts? Well, in Genesis 8 and verse 21, Genesis 8 and verse 21, it says, And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination." Of a man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. 
That little passage for, you know, the imagination of a man's heart. That's Genesis 8 and verse 21. The imagination of a man's heart is evil from his youth. The word heart there means feeling, your will, even the intellect. So we're dealing with, you know, heart, mind, feeling. We're dealing with it all. Okay. So I, I want to make a point here. Our faults are not going to be conquered. And we know this. We know this. Our thoughts are not going to be conquered in the flesh. You're going to have to have something else besides, you know, you're going to have to have the Spirit of God to conquer your thoughts. And even at that, it's going to be a challenge at that, even with the Spirit of God. Uh, you don't have to turn there. Ezekiel 36 and verse 26. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my ways, statues, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. So it takes, as we all know, a spiritual operation. We are incomplete the way we come into this world. We come into this world lacking the spirit of God. And there is a way to receive the spirit of God. You know, a lot of people just think, well, because I want the spirit of God, I, I, I'll get it. That's not the way it works. That's not what your Bible says. Uh, I think the Spirit can lead you, but there is a, a, a difference between the leadership and actually receiving the Spirit of God. I will never take every thought captive without the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God. It will be impossible. So the psalmist will say, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. First and foremost, taking every thought captive involves two things. Number one, a clean heart. That's forgiveness. Two, a right spirit that I think has to be renewed daily often. A, right, a clean heart, a right spirit. Your past is behind you. Okay? It's behind, you've been forgiven of that. Now, I mentioned this earlier, but often I've had, um, trying to take every thought captive, you know, and then I'll have, I think, the evil one come along. And bring up something that I did, you know, maybe years ago. Like with my mother when I, we were taking care of her and I lost my temper and blew up. And said things I regretted. Okay, I'm trying to take every, this, this, thought, this priority thought captive right now. And then he says, well, what about this? Look what you did back here. Oh, man. It, it's, it's a battle. So you have to have a clean heart. You've got to know you're forgiven. And a right spirit. At any given moment, you can have access to a right spirit. It's yours for the taking. Just ask for it. God, give me this right spirit. I know I've been forgiven. I know that's behind me. The devil has no right to even bring that up, that past thing that I did. Deuteronomy 15 and verse 19 is another passage that I'm uh, talking about the year of release. But I just want to tie it in. I'm sort of taking it out of context here. But because of what it says, it says, uh, Deuteronomy 15 and verse 19, Beware, beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release, is at hand, and your eye be evil against the poor brethren, brother, and you give him naught, and he cries out to the Lord against thee, and it be sin unto thee. That little passage, it's just that little phrase that I wanted to touch on, that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart. Not one 
wicked thought in your heart. Is God serious when he says this? I think he is. I think he is. How do I know if this is a wicked thought? How do I identify where the thought is coming from? Now, this one's important. How do, where is that thought coming from? We have an enemy. We know that. There is a satanic force, a fallen angel that tempts us. There are demons, fallen angels. When we go back to this passage that we start out with, casting down imaginations, that's 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5, and every high thing that exalts itself against God, against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What spirit, it says, and every high thing that exalts itself against God. What spirit exalts itself against God? I, who said, I will be like the most high? Okay, we know who that is. Here it is. Just because a thought is in your head does not mean it's your thought. It does not mean you put it there. It does not mean that it's true. Let me repeat that. Just because a thought is in your head does not mean it's your thought. It does not mean you put it there. And it does not mean it's, it's true. So you need to identify now, you may be accepting it as truth. You may be buying this lie that Satan comes along and says, oh, you know, yeah, this is going on. This is happening to you. You're a failure. You're a loser. You're this, you're that, whatever it may be. It could be that your battle is a spiritual assault on your mind. All right. Now, if you feel your battle is, is, is a spiritual in nature, several things I want to go through. There may be a reason for that. Number one, God has something he wants you to do that the enemy, the enemy does not want you to do. That could be the reason the spiritual assault exists. God has something he wants you to do that the enemy does not want you to do, and he's trying to keep you from doing it. Just that simple. Trying to block you from doing something that God wants you to do. Second thing is uh, submit all of your thoughts to scrutiny. Evaluate, identify those thoughts. I mean, don't, don't let them just keep zipping around and by you. Scrutinize these thoughts that are coming your way. Is this really coming from God? I was at the church. I, I think I might have not been worried about something, wasn't feeling good. I don't know what it was. But I uh, got back in my truck and there was a call. It was, it was a, a call about life insurance. Get your life insurance. I thought, uh-oh, that's a sign from the Lord. I'm going to die. <laughs> And I got, it, I got to thinking. You know, I have a daughter. We have a daughter. Would I, if I wanted to tell her, get your, get your house in order, you know, uh, would I send her a telemarketer on a cell phone <laughs> selling life insurance? <laughs> I thought, well, I wouldn't do that as a father. <laughs> I don't think God would do that, send you a telemarketer. So I, I think God would, that, that need to get life insurance, I think God would put it within your heart. I think it would be a, a joyful thing to do. You, you, would, you would find out, I think I need to get that. And something would click. And, yeah, that would be a good thing. I need to look out for my family. I need to look out for my wife. And it, would, it, would, it wouldn't be an evil. It would be a pleasant experience. So uh, um, is this really coming from God? Is God's peace in this? The answer is no, it wasn't when I went out there to that truck. Philippians <laughs> 4 and verse 7. Philippians 4 and verse 7. Man, this is a powerful verse. 
one that I always, you know, just, I've memorized, well, I don't know if I memorize, I memorize where the verse is at, Philippians 4 and verse 7. <laughs> but I, <laughs> the words, I have not. Uh, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Jesus Christ, through Christ Jesus. The peace of God. Who is the prince of peace? Christ Jesus. You know, you, sometimes you just need to say that. God, you, your title, one of your titles is, you are the Prince of Peace. I need peace in my life. I need peace in my life right now. And that's your title. If it's your title, you know, God, you're, you're tied, another, the great physician. I haven't come to call those that are sick, but, but, but uh, no, I haven't come to call the, uh, what does he say? I forgot it. Mine's going blank. I haven't come to call the righteous, but the, but the, uh, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. That's where I was trying to go. Okay. The great physician. You're a physician, God. Uh, I need you. Is God, okay, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Is God's love in this? Is God's compassion in this? Is God's mercy in this? Simplify. All of your thoughts... You know, if, if all of your thoughts are what I call negative loaded, it's not from God. <laughs> you know, sometimes we get a pile of things, it's just negative loaded. It's loaded up with neg negativity. Okay, it's not from God. It's not from God. Once you identify these negative emotions, it, it, it's not from God, don't try to fight it on your own strength. Allow God's Spirit to help you in that area. Philippians 4 and verse 8. Let's turn there. Philippians 4 and verse 8. Another powerful verse tells us how to think. You got to think like this. Philippians 4 and verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, if the things you are thinking about are the opposite of this verse, in other words, it's not true. It's false. It's not honest. It's a lie. It's not just. It's unjust. It's not pure. It's unclean. It's not lovely. It's ugly. It's not a good report. It's a bad report. Okay, you need to identify that. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you see clearly. Remove the blinders off your eyes and mind as to how you are thinking. Uh, Psalms 139 and verse 2. You don't necessarily have to turn there, but just some words. It says, you know my downsitting and my uprising. You understand my thoughts afar off. Is there any thought that we have that God doesn't know? None. Okay. God evaluates our every thought. And so we're talking about, with the realization of that, mastering every thought. Proverbs 15 and verse 26. Proverbs 15 and verse 26. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. Now notice that. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination. I think thoughts of unbelief would fit into that category. God would say, that's an, that's an abomination what you're thinking about. Uh, the unbelief that you have. Proverbs 24 and verse 9. Proverbs 24 and verse 9. The thoughts of foolishness is sin. 
and the scorner is an abomination to men. Okay, God, I think God would sometimes, okay, the thought of foolishness is sin. I think God would sometimes say to us, your thoughts of unbelief are so much foolishness to me. They don't fit my character of love, mercy, compassion, grace, peace. You don't think like I think. You're not thinking whatever is true. You're not thinking whatever is honest, just, pure, lovely, good report. Your thoughts, because you're thinking like this, your thoughts are just so much foolishness to me. I think sometimes God would say that to us, especially as we go down those roads of unbelief. Next point, accept responsibility for your thoughts. If you've got a lot of negative thoughts, evidently you like them. <laughs> you, 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 know, you must be getting something out of it. The only reason we keep doing that which is negative is because we're getting something out of it. Ask yourself, what are you getting out of this? What am I getting out of these negative thoughts? It might be something you are getting out of it. I don't know. Uh, accept responsibility for you. If it means confessing 200 negative thoughts in a 24-hour period, confess it. Like Teresa told me, I took my blood pressure in a 24-hour period 60 times. Uh, <laughs> you need to confess. I need to confess. That's compulsivity. <laughs> That's a little compulsive. <laughs> it takes faith to master your thoughts. You have to think the best. You have to think positive thoughts instead of negative thoughts. You know, I was listening to Rush Limbaugh before he passed away, and, and it, was, it was probably a month or two before he passed away. He, he was talking about the condition of the world in the last election, and how bad it was and how negative it was, and he said that he personally never found any benefit of being a pessimist, that he was always an optimist. And I, and I have to think about that, that he never found really any benefit of, of being a pessimist. And he always had a good outlook and could use humor to lift people's spirit up. That's a gift to do that, especially when you live in a world like we live in. Uh, but I thought that was good. Now, there's a passage. Uh, you don't have to turn there. It's Genesis 15, verse 20. Breaking into the middle of thought. But as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. You know the story. God, you know, you meant it as evil against us, me, but God meant it to good. Much of our negative thoughts revolve around the question, does God really have my best interests? Is God really in this? Okay. You know, I think of Joseph, example. Falsely accused, thrown into prison. How could he have thought God was in this? And yet he did. He knew, he somehow had the confidence that knowing somehow this is going to work out. I'm going to leave you with a story. Once upon a time, there was a farmer and he had a horse. He loved his horse so much because it supported his, the, the, the family and the farmer. It was his pride and joy as he it helped the farmer to earn money. Until one day, the horse ran away. The community heard about it and all kept saying, Oh my, your favorite horse, whom you love so much, it ran away. This is so bad. The farmer looked at them and said, Uh, maybe. Maybe. The very next day, the horse came back with four wild horses. 
the community heard and they said, oh my, we heard what happened and now you have five horses. What a bit of good luck that is. It's so good. And the farmer looked back at them and said, uh, maybe. On the next day, the farmer's son tried to, to train one of the wild horses. While in training, the horse kicked him off and he broke his leg in three places. When the news spread in the neighborhood, everyone visited the farmer and said, Oh my, these are stupid horses. Look what they did to your son. This is so bad. And the farmer said, Uh, maybe. A few days later, the military came to the farm looking for young men to draft to the army. They gave one look at the farmer's son and said, we can't draft him, he's got a broken leg. And everybody in the community congratulated the farmer that he had had his, had his son with him. Oh my, you have your son and our sons, they get drafted. You are so lucky, that is so good. And the wise farmer still replied unto them, uh, maybe. And the moral of the story is it's so easy to develop negative mindset when something bad happens to us. But good or bad, who knows? What is negative or positive, when you can't see the full picture, something bad may be good in the long run. Something bad may be good in the long run. So, I want to conclude with uh, Jesus answered them and said to them, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be removed, and thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. Again, talking about moving mountains. How would you like to have the faith that could move mountains? To master every thought takes this kind of faith. Something bad may be good. And your faith that it takes to believe that Something bad, maybe good, is a faith that can move mountains.